You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. You ready to get in the Word? Let's open our Bibles again over to Galatians chapter 3. We are going to look at some more just, I don't know how else to say it. I was, you know, looking at all this again yesterday and just thinking, I just said, God, these are just mind-blowing scriptures. I mean, they're just, they are so full of good news. They are just, you know, the, the things we've been studying over the last several weeks and where we're going today, it's these these are verses that are so full of truth about what Jesus has done for us and who we are in him and what's available to us that, I mean, I don't like to use this terminology, but they're almost unbelievable. I mean, they're just almost, I was saying to God, this is just, this is too good to be true. But that's why the gospel, the word gospel means good news. And it's not just sort of good news. It's really, really good news. And it's news that we, we've, We've kind of developed a lot of us a bad habit. Well, it's not a bad habit. Actually, it's probably a good habit of not paying much attention to news because most of it is lies. But this news isn't lies. And it's so rich and it's so full. So my prayer has been for all of us today that these verses just impact us again. So quick review. Uh, We'll look at verses 13 and 14. Uh, we studied this last week because it's just too good not to go over again. It it says, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. We're going to talk more about that blessing to Abraham today. So we saw from this that that term rescued, he rescued us out from the curse of the law. It it was a word that was used to describe somebody that had the means, right? The material goods, the means, the power, and also the position, the authority, going to the slave market and purchasing a slave. But they didn't purchase that slave to serve them. They purchased that slave for the specific purpose of setting that slave free. And and I want to add on top of that that where we... Uh, so So Jesus, all right, laid down his life. He paid that price for us in order to set us free, not just to make us a slave to him. The Bible does in places, Paul uses the terminology about being a slave of Christ. And what he, it's a different term. It's not an, uh, it's not an oppressive type bondage where you have no choice. They had, you know, there's a lot of slavery in that society. And, and one of the terms was someone that was called a bond slave. And that's somebody who was actually set free but chose through love to continue to serve the family in the same way as a slave. But it was their choice. And so that's the type of when we, if we talk about being a slave to Christ, it's not an oppression. It's not that we have been chained into slavery by him. It's not that type of obligation. It's none of that. It is a voluntary, I love you so much. I want to give you my life. 
I do, I owe you everything. You are so good. And we, we give our lives to serving the Lord with our whole life. So there's that, there's that idea expressed in the scripture, but there are different words used for it. This word redemption or rescued, it speaks of buying somebody, paying the full price so that they can go free. And we also talked about the fact that the value of anything is established by the price someone will pay for it. Your value and my value. And man, you got to let this sink in. There are so many things that come along in our lives that try to attack our sense of value. And, and understanding your value does not have to be an arrogant thing. In, in, in the natural and humanity, we often turn it into an arrogant thing and we get kind of ugly about, well, I'm worth more than that. Well, you are, but we don't have to turn that into something ugly, okay? Um, the value, your value was established by the fact that God himself was willing to lay down his life to have you in his family. That's your value. And so anything that has come into your life, if you've had abuse in your life, and we see this, we see this happen. It's such a beautiful thing. People that have abuse in their life, they've had uh, a spouse that has done terrible things to them. They have had, you know, whether it's parents or or teachers or coaches or any authority figure in their life done terrible things to them. If it's, you know, those things that have hurt and wounded and they make you feel so unworthy, that can get so established in our heart. And these are the truths that will absolutely not just make you feel better, but set you free from the bondage of any of that. Because the Lord, by his spirit, will use this word to change your heart and make you realize you are as valuable to him as his son, Jesus Christ. That's what he paid for you. And so that value, your value is established. And if that's you, and if you've got some of that in your background, it always comes off in layers. It's not all done the first time you get it. It comes off in layers, but let God continue to minister to you. And I would say, be proactive and go to the Bible and find the verses that talk about who you are in him, who you are with him, who you are through him. Look for those verses because they talk about who you are and what you have and what he has done for you. And there's power in life in the word of God. The word of God is not just good ideas. It's not just something you can read and some philosophy book. I mean, I know people look at it that way. It's not what it is. Some philosophy book, oh, here's a good idea. I think I'll try to live by that. It's not that. It's a seed of life. It's powerful. It can transform you on the inside like nothing else can. We're going to see some of that in, in this today. So I really encourage you, press into those scriptures. Let them, let them speak to you. Um, I'm trying to figure out why this says that I've not been teaching for any time at all. It's a miracle. It's awesome. This is up, right? Okay, cool. Uh, there's something wrong with my timer, but <laughs> what can I do? It's, you know, obviously, <laughs> obviously God thing. Oh, the last thing <clears throat> we also said, and when we talk about the, the curse of the law and the blessings uh, of Abraham, when we read through our Bibles, we talked about this last week, get that teaching. Uh, if it's under the blessings, if it's listed as, as part of the blessing, all right, then it has been purchased fully for you. It belongs to you. The devil has no right to steal it from you. And it is something that essentially the way the Bible talks about it is when Jesus died and was raised from the dead, a, a, 
all spiritual blessing was put in a heavenly account. And it's a, it's a sort of a shallow way to think of it, but it's actually the way Paul talks about it. It's like everything that Christ died to give us is in a heavenly account for us. It doesn't mean we have to wait to get to heaven to get it. It means that it is ours by faith right now and we, ours by grace right now, and we tap into that account through our faith. So as we interact with him, we receive the things that he has done for us. So if it's under the blessing, it's yours. And the devil doesn't have any right to it. And, and, and at the same time, if it's under the curse, okay, it's not yours. It has been paid for. He doesn't have any right to slap that on your life. God's, God's not going to beat you up with those things. Uh, we just need to develop more faith in what the word says about who we are and what we have than we have in our natural circumstances and begin to appropriate more of what belongs to us. All right, so let's go on and let's begin. We're going to just dig through some of these verses. We'll see how far we get. I see until I get off the first slide. That counter doesn't start. I never knew that. I'll spend a lot more time on that first slide in the beginning. I also have a clock here, so don't panic. That clock's got to be wrong. It can't be that late already. Um, So we're going to go into verses 26 through 29. Let's look at these verses and dig what we can out of them. Again, there's just some tremendous things. We're going to work our way down into chapter 4 here. So uh, the object of our freedom in Christ, let me just preface this, is that we, with freedom, we've been set free, we want to use that freedom to approach God. We have freedom to approach God at all times. Even when we sin, we have freedom to approach God. We have freedom to come to him and, and to, if we need to repent, we have freedom to repent. If we need to come and just fellowship with him and worship him or hear from him, we have freedom to approach God. The goal of all that is that we enter into what the Bible calls a sonship relationship with him. And that term, it's not a gender term. We'll talk about that in a minute. It is a position with him. It is a partnership with him. It is being uh, established as a mature adult in his family that has a role in his business in the earth. And so that sonship relationship is where we want to go. All right, it's where we, we want to be. It That sonship relationship is where we get restored to our original intended position with him. You know, if you go back to Genesis, what we find is God created mankind. He created them male and female. He set them in the earth. He blessed both. He anointed both. He gave his commission to both. He he, uh, gave them dominion over the earth. It was a position of stewardship over what belonged to God over the earth, of walking with him, of intimacy with him, of uh, extending his authority over the earth through us. All right, that was his original design for us. This sonship position relationship restores us to that position and restores us to what he intended, the life he intended for us to have. All right, so we're not supposed to remain infants. We are supposed to grow up in him and be partners with him. But, and that's where the scripture is going to talk about. It, it's not, he didn't set us free just so we could come under a better set of outward regulations. Okay, he didn't set us free just so we could adopt a better set of do's and don'ts. 
All right, he set us free so that we could be a part of the family and function in the family as mature adults. We'll talk a little bit more about that. So actually, I'm going to go back and start reading from uh, verse 23 here. I want to go back and just pick this up. We've looked at these verses, but it, it really all stays in context. So in uh, Galatians 3.23, <clears throat> It says, before this faith came, in other words, you know, we've been talking about Old Testament, New Testament, under the law, out from under the law in Jesus, before this faith came. It's talking about before people had the opportunity to have right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, before the cross, before the resurrection. All right, so in those days, before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. Remember, we, we saw that that term, it really means uh, to be put under military guard to protect somebody. It's protective custody. We were held in essentially protective custody by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed, until we entered into, uh, could enter into faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 24, so the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. All right, we studied that verse too. It's a, it's a term that, um, that spoke of a, it was a schoolmaster. It was a person who was put in charge to protect children and make sure they got where they were going. They got to school on time and safely, all right? So the law there says it held us in protective custody and it also, it it protected us and got us to Christ. It got us to where we needed to go, all right? Verse 25, now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law, right? Why is that? Because we have the Holy Spirit in us and he works as an inward guide for us, all right? So verse 26, it says, you are all, I want, you to, I want you to get this terminology, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ. It doesn't say some of you, doesn't say if you're of the right gender, doesn't say if you're of the right ethnicity, doesn't say any of that. It says you are all. What is the, what is the one thing that puts you in the family? Faith in Christ. Right? Faith in Christ. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. So if you have from your heart asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life and he has come in as your Savior, we generally follow that with water baptism where you make that decision that you made public and accountable, you say, I am following Christ. You identify with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. All right, if, if that's you, okay, then you have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither, I want, I want you to get this, because we're using this term sons, and we're going to keep using this term sons. And I don't want any females exempting yourself from being sons. And he says it here. He gets right into it. He says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. This is a tremendously important verse. There is neither Jew nor Greek. That covers ethnicity. All right, Jew or Greek. It covers ethnicity. 
It covers whatever your background might be, whatever racial mix you might be, whatever your family background might be. All right? There is no division. There is no division between us as the family of God based on those issues. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. That's a class issue. doesn't matter if you are rich or poor, if your parents are rich or poor, if you came from uh, this part of the country or that part of the country, if you went to the very best, best schools uh, in the country or you didn't go to school at all, it does all of those class issues that we deal with all the time, especially lately, all of those things that are thrown up, not in the kingdom, okay? There's neither male nor female, all right? It doesn't mean you cease to be male or female. God has a purpose for male and female, okay? It means there's no division in the kingdom of God in your position with him, your position in the kingdom, or, or your role in the kingdom and your opportunity. There's no division in that in the kingdom of God. When we are all in heaven, we aren't going to be separated into racial groups. We aren't going to be separated into class groups. If you came from a poor family, you're not going to be put over on one side and the rich families on another. If you're male or you're female, it, is, it, is not, it does not matter in the kingdom of God. We are, it says, all one in Christ. The message here is that he's trying to get to the point that we all receive the same blessing, the blessing of Abraham. And the blessing of Abraham, I'm going to really, I mean, I'm just going to simplify this. The blessing that came to Abraham, the Lord came to Abraham, knowing that through Abraham and through his seed, through Jesus Christ, his descendant, Jesus Christ, he was going to bless the whole earth with salvation. And so that was the blessing to him as, as, as he entered into covenant with God and God entered, God made the covenant happen just like he did for us. As he entered into that, he said, God said, I will bless you and through your seed, through your descendant, one, one seed, one descendant. And Paul makes a big deal out of this in the book of Galatians. Through that one descendant, I will bless the whole earth. So the blessing boils down to, I will bless you, and through you, the whole earth will be blessed. That was the blessing of Abraham. Now we have it, we have uh, what that means uh, um, extrapolated in a number of ways throughout the scripture. There are a lot of blessings that come under that blessing. But that is the same blessing the same declaration from God that is on every one of us as Christians because God was going to bless the whole earth through that one seed. But anyone who makes Jesus the Lord of their life is clothed with Christ. We become, we are in Christ. So he's saying, you become the seed of Abraham. So the blessing on your life is God saying, I will bless you, child, and through you, the world will be blessed, all right? So it, the, the blessing of God, when we think about the blessing of God, we should never think about it as ending with us. It is every blessing that we receive is to equip us to be a blessing to others. Everything we get, that's, that's why 
That's why Jesus told his disciples, you can go into a house where there's turmoil and you can release a supernatural peace on that house. And if it's not accepted, if it's rejected, you can just take it back to you. It's your blessing. But you can walk into a house and you can change the atmosphere. You can walk into your job and you can change the atmosphere. We can, through our lives, through prayer, through our faith, we can change the atmosphere of a community. We can change the atmosphere of our country if we just get hold of who we are. And so the blessing is to us, but it's through us. We can go, we can receive healing, and we can go and lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You know, so we should never think of the blessing stopping with us. But the issue here is that when we become Christians, we enter into Christ and we enter into his body and all of these various kinds of divisions that the world likes to look at and throw up and manipulate with disappear. In this house, There's no difference with any of us between us and God based on any of these things. Class, uh, gender, uh, ethnicity, all of those things, they disappear in this house. That is what unity is. And that's why he brings all these things out. And he says, you know what? There's all these things. And they're part of who you are in the natural. But in Christ, we are all one. And so... That's how the body of Christ, that is unity. Unity, biblical unity. Man, I'm telling you, I've preached this a lot of times, but this is important in our day and our country because there's so many people trying to disrupt the idea of unity. And our, our, the biblical uh, idea of unity is diversity in harmony, okay? So it's not all becoming exactly the same, all right? It's, it's not uh, uniformity, okay, where we all have to have the same thoughts. We all have to think, think the same thing. We all have to, it's not uniformity. And uh, it's, it's also not division. There's no place for division. Again, in, in heaven, in Christ, in worship, we don't all gather into our little groups. And there's this massive uh, push in the world and in our world right now to fight against this truth and to define unity. And I don't know how they even get unity out of this. But anyway, to, to push into our heads that we all need to divide into all of our little groups, our ethnic groups, male and female, uh, all of these class, you know, and that is used, all that can do is divide people. All it can do is do just what it's doing, cause anger and strife and bitterness and misunderstanding. The kingdom doesn't. That is an anti-kingdom principle and method. And it's not just on one side of the political aisle either, but it is being shoved at us, all right, in so many ways. And we need to be smart enough to see it. We need to be smart enough to fall back into the kingdom and go, you know what? This is my brother or my sister, and we are all one in Christ. That principle, that is one of the guiding principles right from this verse and others that allowed the United States of America, that enabled and moved us to get rid of slavery in our country. It was because there were 
uh, Christian principles in our system. And yeah, it took some time. And yeah, we made a bunch of stupid mistakes. It's a bunch of people trying to form a government. But because it was formed on some of these principles, over time it came to where we can't treat each other like this. And yes, that's still working out. But the solution to that is absolutely not us withdrawing into all of our little groups. That will do nothing but bring tremendous division. So we as Christians need to recognize this spiritually first, but we also need to recognize this um, in the natural, politically, and in our friendships and whatever. We need to understand. And, And see, the cool thing is that the way God does it when you look at the body of Christ, to me, it's the, best, it's the best picture. We are diverse. We remain diverse. We have diverse gifts, diverse passions, diverse. I mean, we're all, we're all focused. We have one God. We believe in the word. I mean, we have things that we all hold together. We have values we all hold together. But as individuals, God doesn't eliminate that individuality. He blends it and we become so much more than we could ever be as a bunch of individuals. It's an awesome thing. And when you, and so we have people that have a passion for for this area of ministry or this, you know, we have people that are just, their whole heart is in in worship. Not that they aren't into prayer and they aren't into the word or, 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 uh, you know, whatever, but, but their main heart is in worship. And that gets blended with some of us who, who we're not quite as, as much on that, but man, we love to feed the poor. Our heart is in feeding the poor. And so all of this gets blended together. The diversity is still there, but the unity is the harmony in that and the, the synergy that that creates. And the shame is that a lot of believers instead, if you don't value the exact same thing they do, then they separate themselves from the body. And, and I mean, they do it physically and they do it, you know, in their lives. But you know what? They're still a part of the body. And God has a place. I didn't really plan on saying any of this. God has a place for you to be planted in the body of Christ. And he has a reason for that. So if you have a bigger heart for this area of ministry, and I as the pastor don't have as big a heart for that, but I love it, I want it to happen, well, maybe you need to be here to help us make it happen. So it's a part of the blend that goes on in this body. Instead, we are so bent on going off. And the, and the other thing that I just, it frustrates me to no end, is I have, is it okay if I just pour out my frustrations on you? And that's, that's what I'm supposed to do on Sunday morning. Uh, you know, it, it's, I have uh, a number of people, I love them dearly, but I have a few people, really. Uh, most of them have unfriended me. But, uh, you know, that I, that I follow on, on Facebook. And the reactionary, we see it in the world. They just, all this, you know, the, the media just keeps throwing us, trying to throw us into turmoil and draw us up in camps. And, and so we, we need to be wise. We need to realize God doesn't do it that way, okay? And so when we hear something, let's take it on two levels. One is when we hear something, there are narratives out there that number one in the natural, the facts don't bear out at all. It's just not what's happening. But man, it's thrown at you every day. And I see Christian people 
picking those things up and just knee-jerk, respond, respond. Oh, stop doing this. Stop doing that. Oh, you're so terrible. The church is terrible. Everybody's terrible. And it's, it's a response to something that doesn't even exist. But they keep being told it does every single day. And, or if it does exist, it has been exaggerated to a ridiculous amount. But we need to have the wisdom to step back, to stay in principles from the word, and to say, God, what is your view and what is my role? Because, and I've said this to you before, I got this from Bill Johnson, who knows who he stole it from, but the, this idea that um, the devil doesn't care how right you are. If he can get you to use that rightness to act out of, out of character with God, out of God's nature, so if he can get you to, to blow up and be angry, to blow up and be ugly to people, to blow up and do this and that, he doesn't care if you're right. It's fine if you're right. He's stirring up strife all over the place through that. And it bothers me that we as Christians do that. And it could be personal. It could be somebody has hurt me. Somebody has you know, offended me. Somebody has done something. It might be genuinely wrong. But when we move into this reactionary us and them thing, that is not Christian. That is not the way the the Bible, the, the kingdom works. And you know, I get it. I have those responses. I'm not exempting myself from this preaching. I have those responses. But what we've got to do is learn to quiet our heart, get before God. You know, the scripture that says, be slow to speak, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. If we would just get that one verse, in our hearts, we'd be a whole different people and we'd be a lot more effective. We're li- and the reason I think I'm spending so much time on this morning is because we're in this volatile thing. And I don't think anybody, I don't think any system, any group in the world has a solution to it except the kingdom of God. We have the solution to it. But this is how he works. Oh man, I've got a lot more verses I wanted to get into. But this is how he works and we'd need to, we just need to get this in our heart. This, has, this idea of this separation, it's been used on all of those levels. And another way we've seen it throughout history is women have been exempted from any roles of leadership or ministry in the body of Christ based on a couple of totally misunderstood verses. And if you don't understand them, there's loads of books out there that can lead you through what was really being said there. But it, it, we've, so we've had this thing, women are below men in the body of Christ. That's not, go back to the beginning. Go back to he created them, male and female. He set them in the earth. He gave them dominion. It's very clear. It's clear through the ministry of Jesus. It's clear through the ministry of Paul. Oh, Paul hated women. He did not. He had, in those lists of pastoral names are a bunch of women's names. This is, and, and how have we done that? We've done that by not realizing that in the body of Christ, there's no difference. Male and female, again, it doesn't mean we don't have those wonderful differences between male and female, but in the body and in ministry and in the kingdom of God, there's no difference. Male and female, black, white, brown, green, yellow, you know, whatever, there's no difference. That needs to be where our heart is. And so, and he says, for you, all of you, he's not just preaching this to men. And why am I saying all this? Because we're talking about being sons of God. 
And so we genderize that verse. And it's not about that. It's about a position that we're never going to get to talk about today because I've used all my time yelling at you. So it's, it's, it says, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ. So that's the criteria. That's the one and only criteria that matters in the kingdom of God. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life or not? Well, yeah, but I still, doesn't matter. If, you're, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You are Abraham's seed. And so being an heir, we're an heir of this promise that says blessing from God is upon us and that blessing is for the whole world. That blessing. And for you, that's your, just start with your sphere of influence. All right? God will bless you so that you can bless the world. Boy, you know, I've only got two minutes left if I even start the next set of verses, which are, uh, no, I'm going to stop, I promise. But um, nope, no point in going there. No point in going there. Can't describe that in two minutes. So I guess that's it. Let's stand up and pray this morning. Okay, did you get anything out of that? I feel much better. So that's why we come here. Okay. <clears throat> now, those are great verses. I'm serious. It's like I go through these and I just thank God. These are so amazing. I mean, there's just, yeah. All right, let's pray. Father, Lord, I really pray this morning, Father, that your word got out <laughs> to people. I know it did. I do know it did. And Father, we just invite you, Lord, let's just pray over what we just looked at. Father, help us I just pray, Lord, you, you spoke to us earlier this morning about inappropriate attachments or yokes, things that bind us. And I just pray, Father, that these different thoughts and ideas, they're so prevalent in our world, Lord, and they're so contrary to who you are, who you've called us to be. We're not supposed to be like the world. And Father, sometimes that can be intimidating. So I pray that anybody who's intimidated about the idea of us being different and having different values Lord, and valuing one another on a different ground, Lord, that, Father, that would be broken. And I pray also, Father, for, for anybody, Lord, and I do this, I honestly do this with tenderness this morning, anybody who has separated themselves out of the body of Christ, Lord, uh, over differences or, or different uh, values and passions, Lord, that, God, they would get planted in the place that you have for them and established, Lord, and just become such a blessing within the body. And Lord, I, I pray for all of us as we interact with this world and with the level of uh, division and animosity that's being pushed in our society. Father, you are the uniter of people. You are the one who brings us on equal ground before that cross and gives us, every one of us, the same opportunity to know you and be blessed by you, Father God, and to, to move into this wonderful salvation that you have for us and to live the life of abundance that you have called us to live in every area. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that as, as that this word, this seed that we looked at this morning would go deep into our spirit, man, would go deep into our hearts and would produce the fruit of peace and genuine unity and love for people who are different than us. Father, we just pray that where any of the roots of the junk that's been thrown at us over and over, 
Father, where any of that has even tried to take root in our heart, show it to us, uproot it, take it out, Lord, so that we can be people who are genuinely effective unifiers. And Father, we thank you for that this morning. We go out into this earth knowing we carry your presence, we carry your word, we carry your life, and it's there to be given away to other people. And we thank you for those opportunities in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's say it on the count of three. Oh, and we have fellowship time. I guess that's going to be happening. So, so if you can hang around and, and uh, eat some snacks and fellowship together. I saw Becky made a bunch of cinnamon rolls, just so you know. So make, make her feel good, okay? Uh, all right, let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin in the world and will be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.